This is your host, Natalie Allport, and on this podcast, we dive into the mindset, knowledge, and stories behind inspiring and passionate individuals who know what it takes to go all in. So whether you're here for motivation, to learn something new, or just real conversation, I'm humbled you're listening and stoked to go all in with you. We're going to be having Jimmy Van Ostrand on. He is a former professional baseball player. He was on Team Canada. He went to the Olympics for Team Canada. Now he's a mental performance coach. So I'm really excited to dive in on that transition, uh, get some information about mental performance and skills. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to to dive in. And um, I'd love to start off with just walking me through, like, how did the MLB handle the whole situation this year? And how was it being there during this modified season? Yeah, for sure. It was it was crazy. I mean, it was kind of a work in progress. You know, we were out there, we were in spring training about a week away from opening day. So we we're kind of in the final stretch of the spring training. That's when everything sort of peaked, shut down. All of us got sent home and there was a lot of just kind of unknown. So we we're trying to figure out, you know, will there be a season? When, when the, will there be a season? What will it all look like? And, uh, but eventually, we kind of got a timeline. We got the games figured out. Um, we got back in. Uh, the first few weeks for us were kind of a modified bubble up in Canada. So we were at the Rogers Center in Toronto and the hotel, which was connected right there to it. And uh, that was that was the only places we were. We weren't allowed down in the lobby. We weren't allowed out on the street. That was, that was kind of our home for about three weeks um made it through that and and then got the season going so it was uh it was something you know there were little adjustments along the way and uh different periods a couple teams had um some difficulty with some positive tests we had a couple games postponed because of that kind of stuff um but we we sort of worked through it we got it figured out and uh really happy that somewhat of a season was uh got going and now you know they're two games into the world series and uh looking like it's going to get to the finish line yeah, it's looking exciting. And I think it's been exciting for fans to watch from home and have something to watch. Has it been like, how, how has it impacted players not having the fans there? It's different. I mean, you really start to appreciate how big of a part of the game the fans are and the experience is. Um, it kind of brought you back to like high school days or travel ball <laughs> days where, um, you know, it was basically the guys cheering on the bench and uh, a couple random people or something. We, we didn't even have the parents or the friends in the stands like you would uh, right. in high school. So um, it's, it's definitely a difference from that, you know, a one run game in the ninth inning with 40,000 people cheering versus uh, just you guys and the two dugouts and everything is it's a different situation. Um, but the guys are pros, you know, there's a job to do and they're competing and they're competing at a really high level. So it, when it came down to it, you know, they were, they were kind of doing their thing. They were competing. It was still uh, still really good level competition. Um, but you, you feel it, you feel it without the fans being there and, and everything. Yeah. I would assume like once you get into the rhythm of the game, you're kind of, you're kind of there. Baseball is a little bit different. Like I, I actually grew up playing boys baseball. I was like the only girl on my team. And uh, like, I know there's a lot of silent moments in, in the game, but you know, the fans, sometimes they are silent in those moments as well. So I think it's a little bit different than, you know, you're playing football. It's weird hearing like the grunts of those people when you're used to hearing the fans, I could assume. Yeah. No, for sure. It's, uh, it's definitely different. I mean, baseball is a little unique in that it's, you know, it's a team sport, but it's very individual. You know, it's one pitch at a time. Um, it's, it's batter versus pitcher. You know, the defense is out there behind them. So it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty unique in that there's not the same kind of flow that you'd have in, in basketball, football, hockey, those kind of things. Um, but it was uh, – the, the guys get after it. You know, whether there's 
50,000 people or, or nobody, your job's to go out there and compete to the best of your abilities. And that's what, uh, what we try to do. Right. Yeah. And it seems to me like from a mental performance standpoint, like the MLB is really prioritizing that, like just from what I've seen and the people I've talked to, how, what do you feel about that? Is, is it because the mental aspect of the game or are they prioritizing mental performance more than ever? Yeah, I think it's a really cool time to see the evolution of it. You know, I'm pretty fortunate to be in it just for a couple of years now. Um, but learning from some people that have been in it a lot longer than me and kind of learning about the, the path that it has followed and, and the involvement that mental performance has in baseball, it's something that, uh, you know, every organization now has in some capacity mental performance, mental health coaches um, that are there to help the players and help them perform at a high level. And uh, yeah, I mean, probably secondary to golf, I think it, it would be looked at as one of the sports that have a, a really high straight mental component to it because of that stop and start and uh, limited kind of in-play action, but a lot of downtime in between it. So how do you uh, control your mind to uh, or, or manage your mind to, to do as best you can in, in those spaces? Mm, yeah, that's such a good point. I've been reading a book called, uh, I think it's called Endurance, but it's all about mental endurance. And it's about like, they're trying to break the two hour marathon. Yeah. And I like, that's just something that it, it really like kind of blows my mind, the mental endurance of things. Because yet last night, I was like, I'm going to challenge myself. And I did a 1000 weighted step ups for time. Yeah, I saw you were crazy. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've been bored in the house and the gyms are all closed here. So I'm like trying to figure out things to do. No, I love and, it. Uh, but the mental endurance, like the chatter that was going on in my head constantly. And it's like, it feels cool to like overcome that. But I was like, I can imagine and I, I know from when I was playing baseball, like I'd probably be distracted half the time. I didn't ever want to be put in the outfield because I'd be like, ah, la, la, you know, <laughs> thinking of random things. And I know obviously, you know, the players are professionals, but how do they actually calm down that mental chatter during those times where like the ball isn't coming to them? There's no plays like the, the it hasn't been hit out there. Like, how do they control that and still focus and be ready to like go to 100 percent when that ball comes? For sure. Well, I think the first person, first part that it's important to understand is that every guy's a little different. There's not kind of one way to do it, and everybody should try and do that way. You know, some guys are kind of higher focus, higher energy, higher intention. Other guys are a little more chill, a little more relaxed in, in how they do things. But the idea, number one, there's kind of a sweet spot for everybody. You know, certain people are really, really good when their energy is really high, their enthusiasm is really high. That's when they're going to be at their best. Other people when it's a little more relaxed, but being able to identify that, you know, when am I a little too overamped? When am I a little too slow? And know where that sweet spot is, and then have some tools that can help you kind of get into that area of optimal performance for you. And I, I think it's something that is uh, is learned through experience and through practicing. And then also as you kind of continue to develop on that and learn these different techniques, really it's, it's just putting in that time and putting in that in that effort to be able to do something again and again to. Uh, get better at how you do these things and how you perform. Uh, but the other aspect to it is is not staying on all the time 24-7. I think that's a mistake that a lot of people do um, when they're first start, um, starting out is they're thinking, you know, I got a three-hour baseball game. I got to be locked in for three hours. And the fact is, is our our max concentration is, is seconds. You know, that's that's as long as we can we can maintain that maximum concentration. So having the ability to intentionally kind of shift on, focus, 
come back out, go back in, and be real intentional with how and when you do these things, where your energy goes, where your focus goes. I think those are all the skills that are developed, and you know, over time you get better at doing them, so you can put it into practice and put it into performance the highest uh, when the high stakes are on the line. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And uh, we were connected through Bob, and I think that I think it was Bob who told me this when I talked to him like years ago. He was telling me about like this. It was like an app on your phone, and it was a game, and I think it was connecting numbers somehow is like some is a really technical game you kind of had to be on almost like um sudoku where you're really like mm -hmm. paying attention mm -hmm. but he was saying that like try it while you're doing like a long workout and like so you're doing like something enduring so your breath is up and how yep. can you like mentally focus uh like i don't know if you've heard of that one i'm, I'm trying to remember exactly the name of the, the game um or like the app but it was really cool because it was like how can i keep being mentally there not just like zoned out when I'm doing these long things is there are there like things and exercises that you give the players to do to work on that skill yeah tons of stuff I mean number one just kind of understanding that relationship between being having having the physical exertion and still so your, your text physically and what that does to you and how that affects your mental capacity and the way that you can do that um so Number one, you know, things like that, you know, if, if you're working on a, a performance skill or something like that, do it in a physically demanding environment as well. One thing we talk about is it's not a skill unless it holds up under pressure. So if the only time that you're working and practicing on these things is when it's, you know, I'm, I'm going to work on focusing when I'm sitting here and relaxed in my living room and I'm going to, you know, do a, a concentration grid or I'm going to do a game like you're talking about where you're, you're focusing on accomplishing a task. If that's the only time you're practicing it and then you're expecting that skill to all of a sudden transfer out where now, you know, you've got, you know, one one at bat or one pitch to execute and there's all these other things going on, it's going to be tough to translate that skill and, and do it in the same way. So I think trying to create a, uh, create a training environment that is competitive, that is physically exerting, that is doing all these different things and then put in the mental components that are going to be necessary for you to succeed and do well is something that's really, really important. And I think that's something more people are starting to understand is, you know, you can have, uh, you know, an easy practice situation where you feel pretty good about what you do, but then you might get exposed in concentration and uh, in competition, or you can boost that level of practice, increase that uncomfort, uh, the uncomfortability of it, the challenge of it, all those kind of things, and puts you in a better position to perform well when the when the game's on the line. Right. I saw Bobby commented uh, concentration grid. So that, that's what it was. And clearly I've been exposed and I haven't done it in a while because <laughs> I forgot. For sure. But yeah, those concentration kids were, they were good and it was difficult. Like it was really difficult. And But I really appreciate putting yourself in that setting because I find like just for anyone from any walk in, in life, like meditation has so many benefits and these drills that we do. But often I find that people, they'll do their meditation, they'll do those things on the days that it's easy to do so. Mm -hmm. And then when it's like, you're really stressed, that's when you're like, I don't have time for this. I'm not going to practice this. And so I really think that, you know, just from what you said and what you shared with your perspective, that maybe it'll be beneficial for people of all walks in life to like practice those things in stressful moments and put yourself in, in those moments of how you have to cope with it. Um, is there any tips you could give like a non-athlete of like something that they can do just to manage those things and just in anything that they want to do with dealing with stress or anything, like how can they create a situation where they're tested? Because I think athletes are in that position often with practice, physical, physical strain, but it might be a little bit harder for the normal person to, you know, get into that place. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, I would challenge that idea that it's harder for the normal person to get into that place because all of us, we're always challenged on an everyday basis at, you know, right. something that we know we should do, but we might not want to do or these different tasks. Like you're saying, you know, I know it's good for me to meditate, um, but maybe I don't want to or I don't feel like it today. Uh, there's there's that meditation quote. I'm probably going to butcher it here, but like make sure you take 10 minutes to meditate every day. But if you don't have 10 minutes, make sure you take an hour. Yeah, and it's it's the idea that like okay if you don't have time to be able to intentionally fit some of these things in your day that you know are going to help you out what are you really doing you know is it really serving you and developing you um but one thing i'd say a, a skill that we can we can all have is the ability to just create a little bit of separation for yourself um and so the idea being say say you're experiencing something say i'm you know i'm in traffic things are going crazy for me. I hit a red light and I'm a little bit behind and now it's, it's irritating, right? You have these thoughts, I gotta get there quicker, I gotta do all, all that. And we're, and we're really in our thoughts, right? We're really in our head, we're, all this chatter's going on, every, everything's happening. If you can take the step back and just sort of notice what you're seeing, just separate it from a little bit. So instead of really experiencing all these things, being in that first person just jammed into this thing, experience like I'm feeling that I'm stressed out, I'm late. I'm feeling that I'm upset. Like, if you just create that little bit of space, now you have the ability to think a little bit more intentionally and in how you want to act towards this situation. And you think of these some of these everyday occurrences as far as, like, traffic or weather or things like that that consistently can get people upset, can get people riled up. You know, expect the expected is another tool within kind of that skill set of if things are taking you out of your day-to-day -day life consistently that you know are going to be a part of your day-to-day -day life you're just causing yourself undue stress undue you know anxiety over all these kind of things because you know you're going to you know you're going to encounter them so if you take a little bit of time out of your day you know what are three things that i know might piss me off today right my you know i'm i'm gonna go try to do something and the technology is not going to work okay let's chalk it up what am i going to do when that happens no big deal i'm going to plug it out i'm going to plug back in and we're locked and we're rolling all right number two you know i might want to go get something to eat and my boyfriend girlfriend whoever ate the leftovers and now i got nothing to eat you know is uh, that gonna piss is that, you know it's gonna crush me like what i don't i can't believe it on like no, no 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 like just i'm gonna no big deal, whatever. Um, traffic, anything. You can you can put into plans. Usually the things that are going to take you out of where you want to be are fairly predictable. And if so, we can have a little bit of a plan of attack. Just take a second to separate it from it, what you want to do in some of these circumstances. Um, you can do better. And that's something we do with our guys in the game. You know, a bad call by an umpire, an error made behind them. How do they want to react in these things that we know are going to adversely affect them, but we know are part of the game and should be expected? Um, so if you can have that little bit of a plan going into it, often you can handle it that much better. Mm. I really like that because I find that a lot of people, they'll say, do a gratitude journal. Or if you look at like the five-minute journal, it'll say, you know, what good things can happen today, I think is one of the prompts. But, you know, I'm, I'm hearing a lot more from high-level mental performance coaches and, and coaches in sports and fitness is that they get their athletes to write down what could go wrong. And I think that's something that we kind of avoid in, in life in these like nice little journals. We're like, okay, what could go right? And that's great to focus on and get that, that benefit. Maybe those endorphins or dopamine, whatever that releases when you think about those things. But I think that, you know, writing down things that could go wrong and how you can handle it is a way that you're going to save yourself the stress later on in your day. For sure. No, I mean, it, it's, and 
and don't get me wrong, there's awesome stuff that comes out of all those things too. You know, journaling's great, gratitude journals, all those. There, there's huge benefits from all these different things. But to ignore the fact that, you know, bad situations are going to happen, adverse situations are going to happen, we're going to have difficult things go on in our lives, that it's just being kind of ignorant, you know. And there's, there's a lot of good things from positive psychology. There's, there's huge stuff from, you know, knowing your why, knowing your purpose, knowing your mission, all those kind of things. And, and that's, that's tremendous. But at the same time, that's not the only space where things are going to occur. We're going to have these difficulties. We're going to have these challenges. So your ability to stay neutral, your ability to accept what that situation is and figure out what you're going to do about it, your ability to let go of something that's happened and figure out the next best thing that you can do, those are also really, really important skills that can uh, can help you maintain a good mindset and uh, just kind of develop your mental toughness. Right. So I'm, I'm assuming a lot of players like – maybe things year to year don't change too much with the approach have things changed a lot this year with the approach just from players having the uncertainty of the pandemic maybe being away from their families a lot has that changed like how you approach working with them i think it was just it was really kind of a learn on the fly thing for everybody you know um it was it was a very challenging situation being away from friends and family for an extended period of time um, certain things that I think we kind of take for granted to reset us, to recover, to recover, to do some of these things, you know, grabbing dinner after a game with some friends, um, you know, going out to grab a beer with some people, you know, these are things that we were not allowed to do. We weren't allowed to leave the hotel or the stadium. That was basically the only things you could do. So, um, <laughs> all these things that are, that are a part of normal life and are part of normal sort of mental health and wellness aren't there available. So how are you going to cope with that? within the scope of what we're allowed to do, what we have access to. And it was, you know, it, it was a bit of a learning curve. You know, I think we did more things um, as a team, more things in small group. When we were up in, uh, in Rogers Center to begin the season, it was almost like we were at summer camp or something like that. So you're having, you know, watch a movie on the Jumbotron out of a thing. We had uh, the UFC fights on there one day. So you're, you're just getting creative. We're making little part three courses on the, on the turf out there. Um, so you're just you're just getting creative with things you can do to break things up to uh, maintain a good a good mental uh, position. And I, I think one thing that was a common thread through all that is is being connected. You know, with uh, all the challenges we're dealing with right now, how it's you know limited access or you know questions about what we're supposed to do and where we're supposed to be able to do it. Um, it can take away a lot of that physical contact or those those physical connections and things like that with other people. Um, so finding ways to bridge that within the the lifestyle and, and the things that we have is really, really important. Yeah. No, I can imagine that it really brings the team together. Did you ever have any issues where, like, because you're together all the time, like heads butt? Oh, yeah, all the time. That's that's. <laughs> That's constant. No, we, we have a we have a really good group of guys. So luckily for for the most part, we got along really well. We have uh, had had a young team, a lot of energy. It's a really fun group to be around, and we all enjoy getting after it day to day. But uh, that's part of it too. You know, when you have competitive people in a competitive environment with a lot of things on the line, um, and and sometimes we're not playing as well as we would like to be. Mistakes are happening. Those types of things. Um, it, it does, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's controversy, there's things not, not going, uh, our way or people with different opinions on what should be done or how things are going and, uh, dealing with that effectively, dealing with that in, in a manner that is productive is something that's really, really important. Yeah. And the baseball is, it's so unique with how many games that you actually play. 
And is there, is there certain like sequences of things that you do that you give the players like, okay, here after the game, this is how you quickly like shake it off and move on to the next one. Is there something specific or does it vary per player? Yeah, again, I'd say it varies uh, for each guy. You know, some, some guys are very specific about how they go about it. They're going to do kind of A to B to C to D, whereas other guys, it's more just part of their general process that over their years of playing, they've figured out how to sort of work through the different stuff and, and, and figure out what they're doing. But it is. It's, uh, we, we play a ton of games. They're all important, but there's also a lot of them. So, and no one is more important than any other until you get kind of later in the season and, and there's some more stuff riding on. Um, but there's still only one game. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's a challenging aspect of the sport. You know, that's part of the, how it kind of continues on um, day by day. What you do at the beginning of the year matters at the end of the year, all those kind of things. And finding a way to be competitive and be consistent in your performance is something that's really, really challenging. Uh, if we had a lot less games, it would be a lot easier to perform consistently and perform consistently well. But that's part of it. You know, how do you perform at an elite level over the course of typically a 162-game season? Yeah, that's, it's so many games to uh, – in one way, I, I feel like just looking from the outside in, that maybe it gives you a good opportunity to, like – really recognize what you do after a game, how you shake it off, those types of things, how it affects you because you have so many opportunities versus like a football season. It's kind of like you have so many games and if you're in this funk for all those games, like the season is over. Um, do you guys test out different things? Like um, you see something's not working. You're like, you know what? This game is kind of just a test. Let's see if this mental skill is going to work for you to get out of it. And if not, we'll try something else the next one. For sure. I mean, you, you bring up a great point. Like if you're considering football to baseball, right? Football, you got 16 games in a regular season. Baseball, we got 162. So that Crazy. Our, our guys play in one year, the equivalent of game days of 10 years in the NFL. Like that's, it, it, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to imagine. Um, so from that perspective, I'd say yes and no. Like you do have to figure out times where you know it's a long year, you know there's some different things. Um, that you're going to practice some stuff and, and when am I going to put it into play um, versus just what I've traditionally done over the years. But I, I think that's the same for any sport. It just looks a little different in baseball because there's always games. We don't have as much practice time during the season, but whether it's, um, you know, whether it's football and we're putting in a new play, we might practice it for a few weeks and then finally put it into a game or something like that. Baseball, same type of thing. We might be practicing for practicing it for a few weeks, but then it's deciding, okay, when is the time we're going to roll it into a game? Um, but there's always a game that day. So that's the challenging <laughs> part. You know, what is, uh, what's going to stay in the preparation and stay in the practice phase and what's going to go into the game? Um, because it, it is a big thing to try and determine because ultimately if we're performing at our, our best, we don't want a ton of kind of conscious thought. We want to be more reacting, more just trusting our training, things of that nature. Um, so it is a little bit of a challenge to figure out when's that right time to uh, to put those things into practice. Right. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. It is insane, like, to think about 160 games in the season and the – like, just the – I know, like, for myself, like, coming off when I was competing in snowboarding, like, you come out of a weekend of snowboard competition, it's usually a day, you know, your runs – it's not three – you're spending more than three hours out there, but you're getting mm -hmm. two runs or three runs maybe that are, like, maybe a minute in length and so it's over really really quickly but the like the adrenaline i feel like the crash afterwards because you're so hyped up for that moment then it must be so difficult for the players to really like get out of that heightened state 
and like calm down because they're doing that all like for 160 games. That's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, and I think that's where some of the challenge comes in, and, and every sport's unique, and that's one of the things that makes it really cool is that every sport does the, their unique kind of competition schedule. When are, when are the most important things? What, what matters when? Um, but, yeah, it's, it's challenging to find that balance between, you know, this is really important, I'm playing a game today, versus we've got 162 of these, it's no big deal. And so I think you start out as you're growing up and you have less games and it, it kind of increases and every game really matters. And that's, that's what's kind of comfortable. A lot of these guys have played multiple different sports, tournaments, things like that. So every game's really, really important. And then it kind of evolves into like, okay, we've got 162 of these, like no game's super important, you know, but figuring out the right balance between those two. So you do go out, compete hard, play at a really, really high level, but at the same time, you don't put any more emphasis on kind of one game or another game, and you can recover, you can sustain your performance throughout the course of the year, because if you're, if, if our guys were treating every single game to the same level that you were treating your snowboard competition, they're probably going to get burnt out after a month and a half of the season. They just won't make it to the end, so um, again, that's, that's something you just kind of learn by experience and learn by reflecting on experience. Um, but paying attention to those things, what's working, what's not working, how can we maintain those things, and understanding from the beginning that you do have to, to do these things over the course of a long year, and then ideally be at your best come playoff time at the end of the year, at the end of all that. Um, it's, it's all things that come into play when you're deciding kind of what you're trying to do and, and how to go about it. Right. Yeah, I could only imagine the burnout if, if every game was like this is – the last game of the season yeah. mentality. It's it's hard like to really focus and be like, this is really important, but at the same time, like, but I can't put so much emphasis that I'm going to be torn for a week if we lose, or um, I'm just like not going to be in a good space to recover for the next one. So, so yeah, it's a very mental endurance type sport, not just within the three hour game, but for the whole length of the season. Are there any, you know, like I, I hate to say hacks, but I'll put it in quotations um, for those watching, but like, things that players do right after a game just to like get their nervous system down? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it, it, it starts with just the physical stuff that the guys do to help kind of calm their body. Um, some guys engage in kind of hot tub, cold tub type con contrast like things that, or yeah. cool down. Um, other guys are doing stuff on like a Normatec compression ice, those types of things. Other guys doing some uh, massage or manual PT type work. Um, some do their workouts post game. So I think it, it starts with just physically, like understanding you finished for that day. What are the things that I need to go now prepare to get ready for the next day um, type thing? And then I think just reflecting on the game and what happened is important because if, if there's things that have occurred that um, are going to matter going forward. It, it's important to have that time to reflect, to be able to learn from what went on, what you want to do better, what went really well and you want to continue doing. So having some type of uh, reflection period is really, really important. Um, maybe connecting with somebody else, whether that's a, a position coach or other teammates or things like that, just kind of breaking down the game, having kind of some of that exchanges, things like that. Um, and then depending on the guy, again, some guys get into sort of breath work type stuff. Some guys do sort of mindfulness or meditation type things before they go to sleep. 
Um, other guys like to get away, you know, maybe they play an instrument, maybe they do, you know, they, they call their, their wife or their family or, or things like that, um, play with their kids, different things, but um, something to kind of separate, reset, allow things to, to calm down a bit, and then uh, get ready to rest, recover, sleep, and, and get, get after it again the next day. I, yeah, that's so interesting. He says some do a workout. Do you think that's just because they're in that heightened state, so they'd rather, like, stay there, do that workout, and then it's, like, complete relaxation until the next next day? Yeah, some of the guys that are playing every day, um, it's hard if they're doing their lift before the game. They feel it affects them that day, whereas now maybe their lift quality won't be quite as high because they just got done playing a game, but they can push themselves and know that now they got 20 hours to recover before they're having to play again um, or something like that. And again, that's just kind of one of those personal preference things that guys kind of learn as they go along um, when they like to work out and what they want to do. But uh, the fact is, if you're, you're season seven months long, if you're not working out and maintaining um, or gaining uh, some of those, those physical abilities, it's gonna, you're, you're, not, you're just flat out not going to make it to August, September and be playing well. So um, to your point, doing a thousand step ups, like you're not going to feel good, but you got you to gotta get it done. Yeah. You know that no, I really like that that they just do it right after some of the players that do that. And it seems it seems like everyone is really intentional. And I hope like if there's young athletes watching or they're gonna listen to this podcast later when it comes out, um, that being intentional is important. Like from what you said, all the different athletes have different things that they like to do and that works for them, but it seems like they're all intentional, like they're doing something to make sure that they're better the next day. For sure, for sure. And the other thing I'd add to that for young athletes especially, but everybody all the way through is they're having fun. Right. Like that's a that's a huge part when we're when we're playing every day, when we're at it every day, when we're doing all these things, you got to love what you do and you got to really enjoy being there, enjoy doing these things, enjoy competing, enjoy preparing, enjoy figuring out how to game plan, all those kind of things. Um, enjoy just having fun with your teammates, all those uh, all those interactions that you get to have, because to play sports and to play sports at a high level takes a ton of work. You know, the, the hard work is a given. You're, you're not getting to this kind of a level without putting in tons of hours, tons of time, having that discipline, doing all those things. Um, but it's going to be really difficult to do that over a long period of time if you're not loving what you're doing and you're not having fun doing it. So um, I, I'd say that, number one, for the kids out there. It's important to be intentional, but it's important to have fun doing it, too. Um, love what you do and it'll make it a lot easier to put in that time and put in that effort. Yeah, no, I, I think anything, it's going to feel way harder. It's going to be a lot more hard work if you don't love what you're doing. And I think that's why, you know, some people they're, they're stuck in a job they don't like, and it feels like it's really, really difficult. But when you find something that you like, all of a sudden it's midnight and you're, you're still working at it because you just love it and you love researching about it. You love learning about it. Um, I want to dive, dive into like your personal career how how did you get into playing at a professional level and making it onto the canadian olympic team what was your childhood playing baseball like yeah so i grew up baseball is always kind of a part of my life my dad played baseball um a lot i was in baseball since i was a, a little kid and uh so it, it's always been a part of my life but grew up mostly in canada um played up there uh a bunch uh amongst a lot of other rodney what up my man Hey, so Rodney's in the World Series right now. They're split 1-1, and he's dropping in on this. You're the man. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. So I always loved baseball. I went down to a junior college in uh, California, Hancock College. That's where I came into contact with Bob. 
uh, Bob Fistro there. He was our pitching coach at Hancock. Um, played two years there at Hancock, two years at uh, transferred into Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, and then was able to sign a professional contract with the Astros and come up in the minor leagues with them. So um, it's always been something that I've loved to do. It's always been kind of a part of what I did. And getting to now do it and work on the mental performance side of things is uh, something that's a lot of fun. Yeah, interesting. Like, there's not as many Canadians in baseball. I think it's 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 the weather. But how did you find that? Like, when everyone might be playing hockey. So random story. When I was 12 years old, we went we moved down in uh, Arizona for one year. So I had played hockey up until then. Came down to Arizona, played baseball year round. Came back, tried to get back into hockey, but there was a waiting list to get back in the mm-hmm. league. So it was two years, and so that was the end of my hockey career. Um, but for me, I just, I really always love baseball. You know, it, it's such a fun game. There's so much strategy into it. There's, there's so many different levels of understanding and, and skill and preparation, all those kind of things. Um, it's just, just always been something I loved. And, uh, Luckily in BC, we've had a lot of good players come out of there. There's a really good league. The uh, BC Premier Baseball League has some some really good players, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's actually really cool now with the Jays. Uh, Scott Weberg and Jeremy Track, our two uh, strength and conditioning coaches, both played in the same league that I did coming up. So we got a, awesome. a bunch of us in there from uh, from that same place. That's so cool. Yeah, it must be just, yeah, I I would assume in BC, like the weather is so much warmer. Like I'm in Ottawa, and it's cold. And so like baseball is, it's still like pretty big. Like I I got into it because all the boys in my class were saying they were doing it. And I said, Oh, I'm gonna try out. And they're like, No, you can't play. And I was like, I called my dad. I was like, Dad, can you sign me up for like, I think the league is starting like next week. Uh Somehow I got in, but it's still, you know, like all those guys, it was because their hockey season ended. And so it's like soccer or baseball, football isn't huge here. So they got into baseball, but it's, I, I just find like there weren't that many higher levels here because of like the weather, the different sports that are emphasized. But I'm assuming like in, in BC, you see a lot more of those like summer Olympians, summer athletes because of the weather. Yeah, I mean, and and for me, I played multiple sport, sports growing up the whole time. So the the first time that I was just full only baseball was when I made it down to college. So before that, I was playing basketball in the fall. Um, I played badminton at a high level. That was probably my best sport in high school was badminton, actually. Um, and then playing baseball in the spring. So I think I got a lot of value, too, out of competing in, in different sports and doing different things. But it is cool to see how when you grow up in different areas, different demographics, what sports people get drawn to. You know, we got a lot of uh, players from Latin American countries where baseball is huge. And you just see the way these guys grow up um, and, and kind of the style and, and swagger and, and flavor and, and love for the game that they have. And it's so much fun to be around and, and to see how they see the game and hear stories about how they were when they were growing up and things like that. But uh, it, it is. It's really interesting to see the, the different sports that people are able to get into. And like with you with snowboarding, you know, um, Canadians have a benefit depending on where they're at. A lot of them having access to the snow. You live in the southern part of the United States. You're not touching that stuff. So no. um, just kind of where where we are, what we uh, have the ability to have access to, um, and how that can shape a big part of our lives. It's pretty cool. Yeah. No. It's so funny. Like where I am, there's not that many like big mountains. I had to travel pretty far once I started progressing. Okay. Um, but you can make do with what you want, right? Like you, there's snow in the backyard. Like, you can try and practice something. 
on flat ground or a small little angle. So there's always something, something that you can do. And it's the same thing with most sports like basketball, baseball, like you can go in the backyard and practice your swing or do these things. But it's funny because I remember when I was really into baseball, um, my dad had an opportunity that maybe like there was a small chance that we can move to Florida. Yep. And at that time, baseball, I was like, I played all the different sports, but I was like, oh, yeah, then I could be really into baseball. But if I had moved there, like he was telling me, I remember he started telling me, there's no hockey. You'd have to, like, be on a plane to fly and play, like, chartered hockey because, like, the teams are so spread out because there's hardly any rinks. And then he's telling me about that. And he's like, if you want to snowboard, like, good luck with that. You're going to have to, you know, go back and we're not going to be able to afford to, like, fly you somewhere. And so I'm just started thinking as, like, the pros and cons. But it really is based on where, you, where you're from. Like, my mom is actually from Venezuela, and that's a very baseball-heavy country. Yeah. Um, baseball and soccer. And then I don't think anyone there thinks about snowboarding or hockey. No, for sure. For sure. Is there are there different mental skills that you see people coming up with based on where they're from? Like, do you find like the mindset around the sport based on say these South American players that are coming up versus other other uh, areas that just have a different culture around the sport? Do they vary? I, I think probably one of the biggest things you see are just kind of connections to be more kind of individual centered or team centered, uh, more personal centered or more family centered groups, things like that. Um, that's, that's one thing that, that really stands out, um, especially now in the United States, um, even in Canada to a degree, there's more and more like travel teams and people are bouncing around from one team to another. So you're not playing with like a core group of people and competing for a common thing, um, the same way. So I, I think some of those things are, are things that depending on where you're at or the situation you're in that, uh, that stand out. Um, and then also just kind of how your what, what's important about the game. Is it, you know, swinging hard, running fast, doing those type of things? Or is it more kind of the technicalities to it? Um, if you look at baseball, Asian baseball is typically very fundamentally sound, um, very in, in how they execute the game and, and what things they do. Latin American probably has the most kind of flavor and style and things like that to it. And the United States, North America is probably like kind of the combination of the two where you've got sort of a little bit of both. But it is it, it is fascinating to see how some of those kind of cultural backgrounds can influence the, the styles of players and how they go about it. Yeah. No, even just from my own, my dad would be like, you see me passing with my mom. She tried to be like playing different sports with us. He's like, this is Barney hockey. Like, come on, we got to get some toughness, some like individuality two totally different approaches especially when it came to sports like someone who is not competitive but will still enjoy you know playing and being mm -hmm. there together very very team oriented and then someone very individualistic and just from reading psychology books and reading i've, I've read a few that like kind of correlate to based on the cultures of these different countries that's that's what i found and so i'd assume it's it's interesting when you get all these different people from all around the world onto one team and they come from these different cultures that you know maybe prioritize teamwork or individuality how do you actually like mold that together to really build a solid team that are supporting each other when you have those more individual mindsets for sure i think it's a blend of identifying and understanding where each person comes from and and kind of building those bonds and and you know understanding the stories of different guys on the team building the relationships and, and strengthening the ways that those guys connect and then also, you know, having a common mission, common shared purpose as far as what you're trying to accomplish as a team and how that serves all the different members on the team. So it's something that they can 
have a role in, they can believe strongly in, and they, they feel like they're a valued member of that team, whether that's a player, whether it's a uh, coaching staff member, a support staff person, front office, whoever it is. Um, but I, I think it's kind of that blend of, you know, everybody being individuals and being, you know, have the ability to be themselves, to be who they are, to do the things that they feel good about for, for reasons um, and build connections within that. And then also have that kind of collective purpose. And so I think uh, baseball is good in the sense that we spend a lot of time to, together and there's a lot of kind of avenues to be able to learn about each other and connect and, and grow together. And uh, so I think that serves us well as far as kind of getting to know each other and uh, figure out what everyone's all about. Right. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And I think that's what's a great part about sports. It really does bring people together and you learn about your teammates and, and get to know them. So I've, I've been really happy to see that leagues like the MLB have been able to try to continue. I know it was really hard and people were kind of on both sides. But um, I, I think, I, I don't know, from your perspective, what did you think it was good? Like, do you have a fun season? You think people were happy to like be doing something? Oh, for sure. I mean, it, it was awesome that we got to play, that we got to compete, and we got to, to do those things. It was uh, it was a challenge, and hopefully, slowly but surely, we get back to what would be more quote-unquote normal. But just the ability to be out on a field, to be competing, to go play the game that uh, that all these guys love to play and, and try and get after it at a high level is, uh, without a doubt, I'm really glad that we, uh, we were able to, to make it happen and, and pull it together. And it's, um, for the most part, been a, a largely successful season. Yeah. Now you went to the Olympics in was it two thousand eight? Yeah. Yeah. How how was that? How was awesome. the experience? It's like Disneyland for athletes, basically. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really really cool. I mean, um, just being able to walk around the village and see all these people and understand the level of commitment um, that they had for for what they were doing and their different crafts. And uh, for for me, some of the funnest parts was just going and watching around and, and seeing all these other sports. A lot of which. I haven't had the opportunity to see uh, in person or especially not at that level. So uh, it, it was cool. It was two weeks of just uh, a, a lot of, uh, you know, activity, mingling, things like that. And it was uh, it was a lot of fun for sure. Yeah. And then in 2011, you did the Pan Am Games. Where were the Pan Am Games held that year? They were in Guadalajara, Mexico. Oh, no way. Super cool. Yeah. And uh, so I read that you hit the gold medal winning uh, run, right? You drove in the gold medal winning runs. I was able to. It was a, it was a team effort, though. <laughs> it, was, it, was, uh, it was everybody. But, yeah, it was uh, – we beat the United States 2-1 to one in the gold medal game, and uh, it was one of the, the funnest moments. That's the, that's the jersey and the medal on the wall. Oh, it's my no backdrop, way. so I get to see it every day. Um, but, uh, yeah, playing, playing on those, uh, national team, uh, I was lucky enough to play in a lot of tournaments from 07 through 2013 and, uh, the, the guys on that team and the bonds that we had and, uh, getting to compete for your country is something really, really special. Yeah. No, when you get to put on like the maple leaf for Canada, or if you're watching this and you're from the U S then the U S flag, whatever it is, like, it's so special to, to recognize that you're one of the top in in your country and you get to represent your country against all these other countries that's definitely a really really cool feeling absolutely um, how how do you manage like one thing that i found is like you go to these big events that you've been like leading up to and then all of a sudden like for example uh for you when you mentioned the olympics you like to go and watch all these other events it was really cool how do you manage like okay i need to stay like really focused because i have this Thing that i've been working towards it's only every four years or um in different like the pan am games a little bit more often i believe is pan am every two years 
Uh, I think they're every four, but they're mixed okay. with the Olympics. Like, right. it's oh, the, the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, like, two years between Pan Am and, and the Olympics, kind of. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, like, how do you stay focused where it's, like, you've worked towards this and you need to, like, execute? And then, at the same time, you're like, this is a unique experience that I need to take advantage of because the memories that you're going to make often are very associated with seeing these other sports, meeting these other people. Yeah, I think, I mean, number one, it everybody's, this is going to be my 19th time saying this, but I'll keep on saying it. Everybody's a little bit different. Um, so I think some people like to go out, see more of the sight sounds and experience stuff. Other people, um, in order to perform well, have to be kind of a little more isolated, say to themselves, do their thing. Um, number one, I think you want to be true to who you are and the work you put in and make sure you give yourself the best ability to compete. And you're not sacrificing that because whether it's uh, if it's an Olympics or a Pan Am Games, you're talking about multiple years of work that uh, you've, you've put in to give yourself the opportunity to be on that stage and to show what you've got. So you want to, you don't want to sacrifice that. If you're a part of a team sport, you don't want to uh, jeopardize something that the team's going to do and all the work everybody else has put in. Um, so I think first things first, take care of what you're doing and the reason you're there and everything like that. Um, but after that, I, I think it's so important to be able to enjoy these things. Um, so often at times, at a high level when you're dealing with high stress situations, a lot of pressure, expectations, maybe from yourself, maybe from coaches, family, friends, whatever it is. Um, we can be so laser focused and so locked in on these things that we're not really able to enjoy the moment and really savor that and, and understand how blessed we are to be able to compete and do some of these types of things. So um, I, I think it's kind of finding that blend of those things before I remember before the opening ceremonies, we got brought up as a, a huge team Canada and uh, one of the chief of staff from Team Canada said, hey, you're going you're gonna to come into this thing and you're going to be wanting to take pictures and take video and all that. And that's all good. But make sure when you walk into these opening ceremonies that you take at least 30 seconds to look around and just be there. You know? and, and I think that's so true for so many things. Um, talking to guys if they're about to make their major league debut you know, the heart's going to be going, you're going to be going like crazy, all these things are happening. But make sure at some point, you just step out onto that stadium and just look around and be like, dude, this is freaking awesome, right? Like yeah. you've worked so hard to be able to be here. And then turn the dial and get locked in on, on what you need to do and what you uh, what you came there for. But it's it's so important to be able to be present. It's so important to be able to enjoy these things. And if you want to do it well for a long time, those are skills that are going to help you help you do that and do it uh, repeatedly over time. Whereas if you're just kind of taking those things for granted and rolling through it, it can be more difficult for you. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's hard to balance both those things. Like I found all of a sudden, like I'm at a World Cup and I look behind me and it's the girls who are on my posters in my wall. And I'm like, oh my gosh. But then I'm like, I can't think that because I'm mm -hmm. going up against them. And so in some ways you're like, appreciate the moment that you're there and you've like made it to that level. But at the, some, the, the other side of it, it's like if you're looking at these people in this moment as like, like higher than the level you're at because you're still looking up at it, you have to recognize like, no, I'm here. Like I deserve to be here. And you know, it's, it's go time. Like everyone here is at, at that level. For but sure. I, I think yeah, really for different. sure. And I, I think that's a big part of, you know, where mental skills training and mental performance training can come in and, and really help you because your mind's going to go these places that ideally you, you know, 
you know that the best thing for you to be thinking about isn't the fact that this person's posters on your wall, <laughs> but your mind's going to think it anyways, you know? So what do you do at that point? You, if, if you kind of get caught up on that and, you know, hooked on those thoughts and those things, now it's taking you away from the relevant processes that you need to be going through to, to race and compete at a high level. But if you, if you're able to kind of separate a little bit, like I'm having this thought, all right, cool. That's, you know, it is what it is. Let that thing go. Get back, like you were saying, directed on the, the things that are mattering for your race and for your preparation. And uh, that's some, something that you, you, you know, you learn that skill, you develop that skill. And probably the only way you get better at it is by screwing it up on both sides, you know, by being a little too laser focused and wanting it too bad and, and being too kind of in there. And so, you know, to back off a little bit from that and probably being too lazy, carefree, hey, everything's going to be fine. I'm just going to enjoy it, da da da, da and messing it up on that side. And that, that's kind of part of it, you know. Um, hopefully it's not happening at the, the biggest time, but that's life. It's going to in some ways. And, uh, and, and you just keep learning and getting better and learning and getting better. And uh, one way or another, those things hopefully will continue to, to serve you and develop you and uh, help you do well in sports, but also help you just enjoy your day-to-day -day life and what you get to do. Right. No, that's that's such a good point, because I find that, you know, I, I can talk about, say, the struggles that I've been through and, to, and people can ask me, OK, because of these struggles, you learned this. How do I learn that? And it's like at some point you can tell them, like, practice this, do this. And in some ways, it's like I learned that because I went through the struggle because I made the mistake. But at the same time, like you want to help other people overcome it faster and not have to go through that whole series of mistakes. But it's it, it just I think it's it's like a catch 22 because sometimes like you just that's the way you learn like you go through it you you get overhyped or or um you're too laser focused or whatever it is and then you realize okay this is i made this mistake and now i know and i can correct for sure for sure there's there's a quote that i love by this old-time baseball player Vern law and he says experience is a tough teacher because it gives the test first and the lesson afterwards and, you know, it's, it's so true. And so when we're coaching people or we're helping other people develop, we're, we're advice seekers for other, we want to speed up that learning curve so that people aren't having to make every single same mistake or we can see some roadblocks, we can create some perspective that they might not have otherwise been able to have. Um, and that's very useful. But a huge part of it is just going through these things. And everybody has their own journey, their own uh, the, their own path to these different things. And we're all going to encounter obstacles. It's about kind of working through them, getting better because of them. And uh, that, that's just the way, that's the way it goes. So um, it's, it's challenging, you know, it can be hard, it can, it can hurt, it can be painful. Um, but that's, that's really the only way that you're going to get there. And if you want to be willing to win that gold medal to do all these things, if, if you want to have that dream, you got to be able to say that I'm willing to lose that game too. Um, and, and that that's, it's just, it comes with the territory. One of my favorite experiences in my life so far, um, and it, and it sucked, it hurt was, uh, I was coaching at university of Arizona and we lost in game three of the college world series. So we were the number two team in the entire country and it, it hurt. You know, we had opportunities to do things better to be able to win that game and we could have been national champions, but, only one team gets to win and only one team gets to lose, you know? So I, I think that's every bit as special a feeling and it, it doesn't feel as good. I can promise you that. Um, but people should pay respect to that. I think in the same way, because it, it, it can teach you a lot and you can help grow a lot. And uh, it's, it's important. Yeah.
We have a great question here from at Soul Perform. He says, Jimmy, what knowledge or experience as an athlete has helped you succeed as a mental skills coach? I think the biggest thing is that sports are really hard. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I really think that's the biggest thing that I am able to bring in is that you can want everything really bad. You can train hard. You can do everything right. You can know what to do and it can still go wrong. And, and I think that's the number one thing that helps me as a mental performance coach because the baseball particularly is a really, really hard, it's a failure based game in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I think that's sometimes when people haven't competed or people haven't put themselves out there at these types of levels, um, you know, you, all you have to do is watch a game at a bar on, you know, football, basketball, baseball, you name it. And you get a bunch of, you know, guys, girls around that. How are you throwing that pass? How are you missing that shot? How are you not fielding that ground ball? How are you doing? That? And like it, it, I, I, understand what they're saying but they don't understand what these guys and girls are trying to do um and i think that's the number one thing that playing has taught me is that the game is really really hard it's really really difficult and you can do everything right and it can go totally wrong um yeah and i, I think that's the number one thing that i've learned from from competing and from playing and, and I, I think probably it's the most important thing for me to continue to remember um because the farther you get away from playing the easier it looks and the easier it seems to be able to do all these different things. And it's just flat out not the case. The people that we're watching on TV are the best in the world at what they do. And those things are happening. And they're happening every single game. And so I, I think just remembering that that is part of it. You, you shoot for that to be better, but it's, it is a part of it. Yeah. No, I think that's such, such an important thing to say because it's easy when you're sitting on your couch to criticize what's going on, but sports wouldn't be fun if there wasn't that mistakes. Like if everyone was perfect on a robot, what are we going to be watching? Like, it's just not the same game. For sure. For sure. Well, I appreciate you so much for sharing this with everybody. I think there were some great, great takeaways on mental performance here for anyone, whether they're an athlete or not. And I love learning more about your journey and, and from playing all the way into being a mental performance coach and being able to give back to the sport and the players. So thank you again for coming on. Awesome. My pleasure, Natalie. Happy to be here. Wishing the Blue Jays some good luck. And hopefully maybe next season, like I'll be able to actually go to a game, but who knows? Yeah, we'd like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. We'll see ya. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Hey, I think that the greatest gift in life is presence. So thank you so much for gracing me with your presence of tuning in to this episode. Now, something that I would appreciate a ton and would help this podcast keep growing is if you, one, take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social media so more people can find the podcast and hopefully we can help impact more people. As well as number two is if you can leave a rating and a written review. That means so much. And once again, thank you for being here.